Hi, my name is Archie Manuel Pillay and this is my podcast. Please feel free to check out my website rg.org where you can find out about beginners and intermediate online workshops. You can also join the mailing list or follow me on Twitter at The Lino or on Insta at RG Manuel Pillay. Thanks for taking the time and enjoy the pickle jar. You're listening to RG's Poetry Pickle Jar. Hello and welcome to Archie's Poetry Pickle Jar, the only place where we pickle the poems you love. My name is Archie Manuel Pillay, poet, facilitator and your host with the most for the next 15 fabulous minutes. Each week we invite a brilliant poet from somewhere in the ether to ask them what poem they truly love and why they love it so much and by the end of the session hopefully you love it as much as then. This week we have something super special and exciting for you. We travel into the States for the second time to hit you up with a Colombian American poet, speaker, actor, author of Fractures, Hito, and the memoir Man Up Reimagining Modern Manhood. He is, in his own words, from bloodlines unkillable as water. This man, with too many awards to fit into this intro, star on HBO's Deaf Poetry Jam and TV One's Verses and Flows, but most impressive for me, because I'm starting my own similar project like this, he is also a father of two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Pickle Jar, Carlos Andres Gomez. RG, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, an honor to be here and, and a part of your incredible show. Thanks so much. And it's exciting to have you from there. Which part of the States are you calling from? So I'm originally from, from New York and, and I'm a New Yorker forever, um, but recently relocated to Atlanta, Georgia. So I am in the South in the United States right now. How was that movement going from New York to Georgia? It, a big cultural shift, you know, I was most recently in, in the city for 15 years. And uh, yeah, as, as the family grows and you have little ones and uh, daycare is um, increasingly expensive in New York City, it was just time to get a, a more family oriented, lower key, lower intensity pace of life. So I'm, I'm very happy to be in Atlanta and uh, not in New York. Uh, being in the UK, sometimes we don't have connection to know uh, the some of the younger, or not even young, but the newer poets coming up. What are the people that you see as exciting at the moment? Oh my gosh, there, there's so, I mean, there's so many great, great writers. I mean, if I was just, I mean, I could just name off the top of my head, Denez Smith, Angel Nafis, um, Safia El Hilo, uh, Nate Marshall, of course, one of my mentors and a legend in the game, but she's been to the UK. Um, she's a she's an older poet, uh, Patricia Smith. But yeah, there, there's so many incredibly talented young writers right now. Um, Anthony Cody is another one that I love. Mm -hmm. um, his debut collection just was a was just a finalist for the National Book Award, um, Borderland Apocrypha. It's amazing to uh, to think that the scene always growing abroad. There sometimes we don't get those things published here, or we don't have an in into it, which makes sometimes the British scene a bit narrow minded. This um, when you became a father, have you found your writing change, shift, or your perspective towards writing? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think um, there's something that I find with the arrival of parenthood that's 
both grounding and clarifying. Many of the things that consumed me with anxiety or worry before I was a parent fell away very quickly when I was holding an actual <laughs> human little being. human that I was responsible for keeping alive and making sure they grew up healthy, emotionally, mentally, physically. And I think there's something about that. It's like the, the stakes of my life and the driving, um, the driving forces of my life are very clear. It's my two kids and my partner. That's, that's mm. the structure, the infrastructure of, of what everything that I'm pushing toward is, is fueled and informed by that. I think being a parent, having structure built into my life because because your child needs structure um it forced me to really demand a certain kind of schedule and structure for my creative process as well which which ultimately i was i generated a lot more work than i had without that scarcity yeah. of time. you can have like nine hours of a day and spend like eight hours looking into the sky <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> staring out your window you know <laughs> distracting yourself with whatever you know let's move on to this amazing poem you chose uh maybe you could read it first and then we'll chat about it sure sure this is um a poem by a, a poet that i admire very much um that i know um an amazing poet and person by the name of rachel eliza griffiths uh rachel actually just released an incredible book um called seeing the body <clears throat> and it's a mix of her photographs she's a brilliant photographer and also a writer and a poet and this is the, the titular poem, Seeing the Body. And it goes like this. Not hers, but mine. Not hers, ever again. Ever hers. My body pulled through two long windows open in the dark of birth. The gold cord raised to in its wake, awake the first morning. The first morning in all, all the windows were closed inside, a blindness, scalding, broken sight. The silence pulled through my nostrils and veins, the ether of air failing flesh. I get up from the shape I once was and open the white blinds in my brother's house. The light is specific. It is the 29th morning of July. Last night, they dragged me howling from her body in the room. The room had a name. Number 3315 in the cardiac wing. In the room, I saw her winged shape leave, rise, forgive the vessel that fled her. Now mine or ours. I stare in the mirror while everyone sleeps, the aggrieved sleep of the living. Behind my eyes, a dead woman looks back at me with no trace of recognition. I say mother, and my own feral mouth opens, closes, without any light. Huge, amazing. Halfway through, I wanted to be like, we love to it again. <laughs> I think it was at the bit where you said the light is specific. I love mm. that. Mm. I love that so much. Uh, um, it really changes the air, like, you know, a really good part. Yes. Yeah. It shifts something. <laughs> yes. 
tell us a bit about why you love this poem. There's so much that I love about this poem. There's so many different um, angles <laughs> through which I could I could look at a craft element and talk about why I think it's brilliant. Um, when I was in grad school, we would do these things called annotations. And so you take a single craft element and you would analyze a poem or it could even be like a, you know, a stanza of a poem or a section of a poem to see how the, the author's deployment of that craft element across the poem or across that section, um, like how it, had, how it had worked well or how it hadn't worked well or you know, what it had done in the poem. Um, so what would be an example of a craft element? Yeah, an example of that would be like verb tense in this poem. This is just one thing I'm, I'm, I'm picking. There's so much that, that Rachel is able to do with, with in terms of navigating and manipulating the, the, the framing of time in the poem just by how well she uses verb tense. And this is established immediately with the title, seeing the body. You know, the, the fact that she uses the, the, the continuous right there, right? It's like seeing it's something that does not change. You know what I'm saying? By using the progressive tense there, seeing it infers something that's ongoing, that's unresolved. Her establishing that, and she establishes this, this unresolved, ongoing grief. It's like by her seeing that body, we're forced to see the body continuously as well. And then she establishes us in like a, a concrete physical space. Um, and she has this beautiful juxtaposition where she's juxtaposing like the moment her mother died and then the moment she was born. I mean, and that's <clears throat> thinking about these two transformative moments, a transformative moment for her when her mother transitioned from the world of the, of the embodied and the physical to whatever other realm. And then the moment her mother, she emerged into the world and, and made her mother a mother, you know what I'm saying? To her. <laughs> I think what I love in her resistance to be reductive or to oversimplify, both birth and death are, are cast in lightness and dark. Hmm. And neither the light or darkness is one-dimensionalized, right? Like hmm. the specific light of the July 29th, the first night after her mother had passed away, that light is painful. It's traumatic. Hmm. It's like a piercing light. I think usually you think of light in a poem as like light is, is associated with spring. It's associated with um, almost like a cathartic arrival. There's n this is not a cathartic arrival. This is, mm. this is pain. At the beginning, you know, my body pulled through two long windows open in the dark of birth. You know, it's like the birth canal is something that seems ominous and terrifying and scary. And, you know, uh, yeah, there, there's, just, there's just so much here that I feel holds space for the complexity of moments that artists in all genres have spent entire careers trying to capture the complexity of. But anyway, going, I, I, I want to talk about so many different elements, but talking about going back to verb tense, there is this beautiful reprieve that is invoked. And of course I can't count through the lines, but like in the last third of the poem, right after she, right after the, the speaker, invokes the number of the room in the cardiac wing where the mother was prior to passing away. And the speaker says, in the room, I saw her winged shape leave, rise, forgive. Oh my gosh. That's in the midst of all of that, there is, there is that reprieve, right? 
there is that reprieve and something you noticed there's the there's the past tense right i saw her mm-hmm. wing shape so we're established in a concrete you know straightforward mm-hmm. tense but then the in- infinitives are used after that three in a row leave rise forgive so they're 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 released from um the temporal continuum mm-hmm. right they don't end and so you think about that there's something that is gesturing for me toward the infinite yeah. whatever whatever you make of that um and, and even the choice of the words there you know like the the the, the choices like the the choices she's making in terms of diction there it's like leave rise and then forgive is the last one the Mm -hmm. vessel that fled her and i love that so it's inverting the typical image which is that the spirit ascends out of the body no the the body is fleeing the spirit there i love that Mm. um and then at the end after the brilliant opening where you juxtapose a birth with like you know the, the the speaker's birth um with the speaker's mother's death suddenly by the end you know the speaker is is looking in a mirror and uh, my gosh i gotta read i gotta read the last like uh, six lines again mm-hmm. um now mine or ours i stare in the mirror while everyone sleeps the aggrieved sleep of the living um now mine or ours and of course that that uh you know um subordinate clause you would assume is perhaps referencing the mirror but then it doesn't become clear with the with the with the um sentences that that follow right now minor hours is the speaker talking about the mirror is the speaker talking about their face is the speaker mm. talking about their body is the speaker talking about and then it says behind my eyes a dead woman looks back at me with no trace of recognition i say mother and my own feral mouth opens closes without any light oh my gosh it's like the yeah. mother has now the, the spirit of the mother has now um, become a part of us has be, has become a part of the of the speaker yeah, lives within the, the speaker spe- and all the way through that coming together of the two bodies is just so profound it builds and lifts the peace i mean the opposite of life and death but also m- mother and you guess the speaker as a daughter the coming together of those two like uh, when people say someone dies, um, you lose a part of you. And that really carried in this. Yes. Uh, that feeling. Um, it's interesting because when you see a body, I've actually seen an uncle of mine pass away. And when you see wow. the spirit leave the body, the body just changes almost. Yes. Um, and with it, something is almost unfixable. It's, um, that's why it will never really be all right all you'll do is learn to live with the feeling of not being all right. Yes. <laughs> Which this poem does re- explains really beautifully. Mm. Uh, the balance between the specific, the number 3315, and what you were talking about, the more like open, not hers, but mine, like these quite wide <laughs> universal things. Yeah, I, yeah, that balance, right? Between, and also yeah, like you're talking about there, these these broad sweeping things that resonate across so many different universal prisms and ideas and it's the ability to do that again and again i mean even some of the for example uh, towards the top the silence pulled through my nostrils and veins the ether of air 
uh, fading flesh. I mean, there's echoes of the line that we were talking about before. I saw yes, the wing shape. Yes. Lead. And yes. that round, like those images being within the sphere of the poem is what makes it, I don't know, it just makes it really special. And it's always a challenge to do that, you know, that all the images and similes and metaphors all talk to each other in their own way. Yeah, and, 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 and what's powerful, along with what you said, it's like those reverberations across the piece, right? It's like it's echoing. And there's, it's almost like a refrain kind of humming underneath and it comes back. First is the image of coming on the birth canal. Then it's the silence pulled through the nostrils. Then it's like, it's like the spirit embodying the speaker. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's all this like pulling through, pulling through, pulling through. Ah, for sure. And the book's called Seeing the Body. The book is called Seeing the Body um, by Rachel Eliza Griffiths. It's brilliant. It just got nominated for an NAACP Image Award. I highly recommend it. And uh, I recommend looking up Rachel Eliza Griffith's poetry and also her photography. Thanks so much for coming on board, man, and being a part of this. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, RG. Such a joy to chat with you. And I'm, I'm wishing you the best of luck as you, uh, as you enter parenthood. I, I think you're going to be an amazing, amazing parent just by seeing how thoughtful and how wholehearted you are as a person. Thanks, bro. Seeing the body. Not hers, but mine, not hers ever again, ever hers. My body pulled through, two long windows open in the dark of birth, the gold cord raised to in its wake. Awake, the first morning, the first morning of all. All the windows were closed inside, a blindness scolding broken sight. The silence pulled through my nostrils and veins, the ether of air, failing flesh. I get up from the shape I once was and open the white blinds in my brother's house. The light is specific. It is the 29th morning of July. Last night they dragged me howling from her body in the room. The room had a name. Number 3315. In the cardiac wing. In the room I saw her winged shape leave, rise, forgive the vessel that fled her, now mine or yours. I stare in the mirror while everyone sleeps, the aggrieved sleep of the living. Behind my eyes, a dead woman looks back at me with no trace of recognition. I say mother, and my own feral mouth opens, closes without any light.